Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the final chapter of the book. We've covered the first three verses, and so far, what have we seen? In verses 1 through 3, we have examination. Paul announces that when he comes for his third visit to the Corinthian church, he is going to conduct an examination of the church. That examination will be principled, verse 1. Evidence will be examined. Evidence will be required before anyone will be declared guilty. It will be a principled examination. But number two, it will be a painful examination, at least for some who have been warned about sins that need to be addressed and have not done so. They will find this very painful when Paul comes. This examination will be powerful, verse 3. Yes, you have bought into the slander, bought into the criticism that Paul is weak in bodily presence. Oh, yes, his epistles, his letters are mighty and powerful, but his speech is weak and contemptible. Remember that charge that came up much earlier? Paul said, when I come for this third visit to examine you and to deal with the people who have failed to deal with their own sins, you're going to find a very different spirit, a very different attitude, a very different persona than the one that you think is the only one I have, my meek and mild one. I'm not apologizing for that one, but I'm warning you, I am able to be as strong and powerful in person, in speech, as is necessary, and only as is necessary, but as is necessary to deal with belligerent people. And when there is belligerence and unwillingness to deal with sins, then I, you will find that I'm very powerful indeed. And so that describes the examination that they can expect when Paul comes. But now, moving on to verse 4, we come to explanation. And we'll look at that as I welcome you, or after I welcome you, to this Tuesday, December 5 edition of the Beacon Broadcast and appeal to you to consider a special year-end gift for the Beacon Broadcast so that we can continue teaching God's Word on this station. Well, here's an explanation, verse 4. For though he was crucified in weakness, who's he talking about? Well, of course, he's talking about Christ. Back to verse 3. Since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, The weakness, the meekness that they saw in the Apostle Paul 
was said to be evidence that Christ was not speaking in him. He was not powerful because Christ wasn't powerfully present in him like he was in some others. Okay, verse 3 again, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you, for though he was crucified in weakness, agreed, agreed, Jesus Christ never appeared more weak than when he hung upon the cross and didn't do anything to stop that crucifixion. They said, if you be the Christ, come down from the cross. Demonstrate your strength. Demonstrate your power. But he didn't. He remained on the cross in apparent weakness. He did not exercise the power that he had. Like one songwriter said, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. Of course he could have. In fact, he could have done that without calling any angels. He could have done that himself using his divine power, his omnipotence, but he chose not to. So as Paul is saying here in verse 4, For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. Crucified in weakness and then arose from the dead, demonstrating the most incredible power of God. Only God can raise the dead. And Jesus came out of the grave. That's his power. So, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him. Paul is now explaining this apparent weakness that they have mentioned, that they have gossiped about, that they have taken note of and brought and drawn wrong conclusions from. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. This explanation of Paul's apparent bodily weakness, his his mild-manneredness when he is physically present with them, can be explained by the paradox of Christ, first of all, and then secondly, by the paradox of Paul. But first of all, in the first part of verse 4, the paradox of Christ. Christ was crucified in weakness. What was that weakness? Was that weakness an inability to rescue himself? Was that an inability to stop his crucifiers? Absolutely not. Christ was crucified in weakness, which was a deliberate weakness, a voluntary weakness, a voluntary withholding of the power which he had. He could have exercised it, but he didn't. Which weakness, deliberately displayed as weakness by Christ, was mistaken by others for his lack of power? He was taunted for his weakness. He saved others. Let's see if he can save himself. If he be the Son of God, let's see him come down from the cross. If he is truly a man of God, let's see if God sends anyone to rescue him. And they taunted him and taunted him, and nothing happened. Nobody rescued him from the cross. See there? That's proof that he's not the Christ, the Messiah. That's proof that he's not who he claims to be, the Son of God. That's proof that he doesn't have divine power in his life. 
Why, there he hangs upon the cross, and though called upon to rescue himself and demonstrate his power, he doesn't do it. There's proof that he doesn't have that power. Oh, is that so? Is that the right explanation? Do you accept that explanation? This wrong conclusion that some people came to because they didn't see the power of Christ displayed upon the cross? It reminds me of a famous atheist in the earlier years of American history, back around the 1900s, early 1900s, by the name of Robert Ingersoll, who made quite a name for himself and I think a fortune as well, by going around from town to town in the days before television and mass communication, but he'd go around from town to town and hold meetings to declare his atheism and why, and people flocked to his meetings, and the most famous thing that I'm aware of that he did was he would stand on the stage, or maybe sit on a chair on the stage, I forget which, and he would cry out to heaven and say, if there is truly an almighty God, I call upon you to strike me dead just now. Strike me dead in the next 60 seconds. And then he would ask people to take out their watches, and he'd say, okay, time begins. And it would begin to tick by. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, and everybody's waiting, waiting, waiting to see if a lightning bolt is going to come from heaven and strike him and kill him dead, knock him dead. Probably seemed like the longest 60 seconds that any of those people had ever experienced. And then when it was over, he laughed and said, you see there, there is no God. God didn't do anything. I'm still alive. Nothing happened. That proves there is no God. Does that prove there is no God? No. Just because God chose not to manifest his power at that particular time doesn't prove that he doesn't have power. Just because Christ didn't exercise his divine power to save himself from the cross doesn't mean that he's not the Christ. If he had exercised that power to save himself from the cross, then he would have saved no one. He would not have completed the work of redemption to save his people from their sins. So he was crucified in deliberate weakness, and that's what many people saw. But he rose again and lives today by divine omnipotence. His power, once veiled, was exercised in his resurrection, also widely known, and is even now being exercised from his throne in heaven, and will be fully unveiled at his return. So just because Christ seemed to be weak doesn't mean that he was weak. Just because Paul seemed to be weak in his bodily presence doesn't mean that he was. The paradox of Paul, similar pattern. Paul ministered in weakness, unlike others who minister with an overbearing spirit. I think the false teachers, no doubt, conducted their ministries that way, if you could call them ministries. That's the way they acted. They displayed their power. They displayed their authority. They spoke with great dogmatism and great vocal authority and power and commanded people to do this and ordered them around to do that. And Paul didn't do that. He ministered in meekness, like Christ ministered in meekness. And like mistaking Christ's crucifixion as evidence of his weakness, so they mistook Paul's 
public meekness, his style of public ministry, his speaking style, and the way he handled himself in a humble, meek, and mild manner, they mistook that for weakness. But, like Jesus manifested his divine power at the times he chose, not the times when others taunted him and commanded him to to do it at their command, if he really had that kind of power, like Robert Ingersoll, commanding God to strike him dead. We all were, you know, the people who were there who believed in God were all wishing that God would do that. Strike him dead, God. Show yourself to be powerful. Prove to these people that you really exist. And God chose not to do it. He doesn't display his power at the command of others, atheists or even Christians. These preachers you occasionally see on television who strut around on stage and command this and command that. I command this in the name of Jesus. I command that in the name of Jesus and so forth. They're not acting like Christ and they're not acting like the Apostle Paul. Paul's meekness was mistaken for weakness, but his meekness did not mean he had no divinely given power apostolic power. He did. And Paul manifests his divinely granted authority when needed, and only when needed. He doesn't do it to call attention to himself. He doesn't do it to make a name for himself. He doesn't do it to make other people think he's some great somebody. Just the opposite. He prefers to present himself in a meek and mild and gentle way, but... When the situation requires a greater strength, a greater power, displays of his authority, he is up to the task, and that divinely granted authority will be displayed. Do you want to be on the business end of that, said Paul? Then clean up your act now before I get there. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.